Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, everyone. Everyone all set up? Anyone need any time or everyone good? Great. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Eugene D. Pasquale, Pennsylvania Auditor General, and I'm joined today with, um, with, uh, by uh, Turnpike CEO Mark Compton. Um, and for starters, before we go into the specifics of my audit of the Turnpike Commission, this is now um, my third either audit or report, depending on how you want to define these things during my tenure as Auditor General. This has been obviously a critical issue for Pennsylvania transportation over the last several years, and my sense is it will continue to be um, a critical issue moving forward, and I do want to commend Mark and his team, even though we've had during our time some tough findings and some tough issues we've dealt with, but him and his team and their professionalism and their cooperation have been second to none, and I appreciate that and look forward to hopefully continue to work with them as we try to improve um, the finances, um, which are in very tough shape of Pennsylvania or America's first superhighway. So today I'm releasing my latest audit of the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission. The Turnpike Commission operates 552 miles of highways that include 66 toll interchanges, 17 service plazas, and 22 maintenance facilities. As America's first superhighway, it inspired our nation's interstate highway network and is still a critical part of Pennsylvania's transportation system nearly 80 years after the main toll road opened to traffic. The Pennsylvania Turnpike now is at perhaps its most critical juncture ever, at least since somebody decided to build it in the first place. The amount of money that this turnpike needs under current law to continue to operate as is, is simply not sustainable under current law. It is just not possible. It may theoretically be possible on some math equation or some board, but it is simply in reality not possible. And sometimes I get to come here and give some good news, and sometimes I get to come here and give some bad news. When it comes to the Pennsylvania Turnpike, this is probably about as bad a news as I could possibly give today. The Pennsylvania Turnpike right now is continuing to force drivers to pay higher and higher tolls every year. And whether anyone thinks it is unfair or not, and I believe it is unfair, but regardless of your point of view of that, it just isn't sustainable. From our last report, and again, we'll go into more details of this, one of the reasons why this report is so much tougher than even the last one that was tough was because the Turnpike took our recommendation to lower the projected drivers on the toll road. Because the last audit we were going through, we were highly critical of the idea that 
the funding would work with traffic going up. And as we predicted in my last report, the ever-increasing tolls are not only not putting a dent in the debt of the Pennsylvania Turnpike, but it's actually driving, well, I said driving, no pun intended, forcing less people to use the Turnpike. Without relief from Act 44, the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission, in my view, is on a path to bankruptcy. And it is now time for the state to step in and revise Act 44 that both enables the turnpike to be sustainable moving forward, doesn't hike up the tolls to a point where they literally force drivers off of it, which is already happening to a degree. It's already happening to a degree with our truckers and find another source of revenue that is sustainable for funding public transportation. Act 44 was passed in 2007 to help fund transportation projects across the state. When Act 44 law was passed, Pennsylvania was waiting for federal approval to impose tolls on Interstate 80. And again, that legislation passed with bipartisan support. However, in the 2009-10 congressional session, the Obama administration disallowed the tolling of Interstate 80. It was at that point that Act 44 should have been revised. It was not. And so here we are today. So to date, the turnpike is paid as a result of Act 44 $6.1 billion to PennDOT with no revenue from Interstate 80 to pay for that, which means everyone driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike on the 76 corridor is paying the entire freight. A few years later, as part of my recommendation from my first audit of the Turnpike Commission, Act 89 was passed to ease financial pressure on the turnpike. That bipartisan transportation funding reform that became Act 89 of 2013 took a step in the right direction to reduce turnpike payments to PennDOT starting in 2023. Again, I thought it should have been much sooner, but starting in 2023 to help improve our transportation infrastructure and to increase financial oversight by requiring my office to audit the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission every two years. But clearly, Act 89 was not enough. To obey the law, the Turnpike has taken on a staggering amount of debt. Now approximately $11.8 billion in debt. Let me repeat that. The Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission now has $11.8 billion in debt. And to put that into perspective, Next year's turnpike debt is going to be higher than the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania from all other sources. Unbelievable. And the idea that motorists and truckers on Interstate 76 are going to be able to pay that entire debt back 
is literally delusional. It's not reality. All of us have a better chance of replacing any of the Philadelphia 76 starters, 76 or starters, than that happens. And by the way, that's not reality either. It's no wonder that despite the improvements the Turnpike made following recommendations in my 2016 audit, my latest audit notes that the Turnpike Commission could actually default on its debt payments if steps are not taken to reduce the amount of money it must pay to PennDOT every year. Drivers cannot continue to pay these tolls. And it's simply not, not only is it not acceptable, not realistic, but the idea that easy pass riders aren't going to notice these fare hikes is also delusional. Look, I don't want to speak for everybody, but most of us have, whether it be through the GPS or a Google map or whatever it is that you put in your car. One of the things that they have in those now, and the truckers follow this to a T, is that they not only have what's the fastest route, but also the most economical route. So sometimes it'll tell you, yeah, you're going to have 15 more minutes or a half hour more driving, but you won't pay the toll, even though it may take you a little bit longer, it's actually going to be more cost effective. Every truck on our highway today has that system, which means more and more truckers are moving off the turnpike because it's simply more cost effective for them to add an extra half hour to their drive. Maybe it's a little bit more gas money, but they don't pay the huge toll. Since Act 44, tolls have gone up 11 years in a row. Right now, the cash price for a family driving across Pennsylvania is $56.50. And by the time their kids are old enough to drive, and obviously we're talking, you know, six-year-olds here roughly, they'll be paying, if these trends continue, over $100 for that same trip. And for the trucker truck drivers who use the turnpike to get goods to the stores for us to buy, the cash price now is $183.50 one way. And in less than 20 years, that same truck driver, if the trends continue, is going to be paying over $400 one way. Keep in mind that before Act 44, the turnpike had only hiked tolls five times in 64 years. Five times 64 years, now it happens every year and no end in sight. And for those that think, well, I don't drive the turnpike, why should I care about this? I don't pay that. Newsflash, those truckers that are driving on that, if they're hauling fruit, if they're hauling food, they're hauling goods and services that you're buying in Pennsylvania, yes, you are paying that because that is being passed along to the consumers. Family farmers who have produce to get to farmer's markets, they're paying that toll. And if they're not driving on the turnpike to get it there because they don't want to pay the toll, guess what it's doing? Putting more pressure on US 30 and other smaller roads that simply aren't built for this kind of traffic, making those roads more and more dangerous. And everybody with a smartphone in America has an app that gives them directions with destination and also now has the option 
take this route and pay the toll or avoid the tolls and take another route that might take a little bit longer. And everyone is able to work out exactly with their app what's the most economical way. And come on, we all know Pennsylvanians. We're, we're all in the same boat on this. And yeah, I know some of you media, you can't say this out loud, but you all know we're a pretty frugal bunch here. If you can save five nickels and it's going to take you 10 extra minutes longer, guess what most Pennsylvanians are going to do? And aside from the intolerable and unsustainable annual toll increase for drivers, there's another factor complicating the turnpike funding for PennDOT. There is a lawsuit filed by groups representing truckers alleging the state is violating federal law by making turnpike customers pay for non-turnpike projects and services. Now, we do not know, and I'm not going to comment on the specifics of the case, and any of us would be foolish to try to predict how it would turn out. But I do know this. The case wasn't thrown out at first blush, which means some judge thinks there's at least some merit to the argument. And to her credit, PennDOT Secretary Leslie Richards, who is the chair of the Turnpike Commission, has said the case could have a catastrophic impact should the state lose in court. What I do know is that uncertainty over the lawsuit is already having a ripple effect across our Commonwealth. Numerous PennDOT projects have been placed on hold, and public transit providers are concerned they may have had to cut service, they may have to cut service for riders if they see a dramatic reduction in state support. I'll be talking more about public transit issues in my upcoming audit of PennDOT that will be ready in a couple weeks. Public transit needs its own funding stream. I support public transit, but the current system just doesn't work. The General Assembly's attempt at enacting a quick fix has pushed us down the slippery slope of unintended consequences. And it's been 12 years since Act 44 passed, and the state still hasn't come up with a way to adequately fund public transportation. Now, I do want to address some of the issues that came up in my um, previous audits of the Turnpike Commission and some areas where I want to commend them for doing some of the things that we asked them to do. For starters, I do applaud the Commission for working to implement my 2016 recommendation involving drivers who avoid paying tolls. They have taken some steps to correct that. Most of those drivers, I think it now shows, were from out of state. Um, and, and I know the Turnpike Commission is working on reciprocal agreements with other states. One has already been worked out with Delaware. But it's simply inexcusable that people blow through an easy pass while everyone else is trying to follow the law and not paying their fair share. And it's doubly outrageous when people are from out of state, so they're not even contributing in any way, shape, or form. So again, I, I commend Mark and his team for what they're doing and trying to work out those agreements with the other states as well. Also, following my audit recommendation, the Turnpike Commission worked with legislators to provide more teeth to go after toll violators. Those involved license suspension and some other tools. Again, I think that was an, an area where it showed how our audits can have a positive impact. Again, we, I don't want anyone to ever blow through the easy pass, but there should be consequences if people aren't paying their tolls. And as I said earlier when it came to out-of-state, about 40% of unpaid tolls are from people out-of-state. Um, I am... Uh, somewhat on balance, I do want to say that I commend the Turnpike for working 
um, with us and internally on trying to crack down on employees that are using their free access for frivolous purposes. Um, I do think more work can be done on that. Um, I am not a supporter of any personal use being subsidized. I am more okay with work-related free turnpike access for employees. Um, but I think more can be done on the personal use. But I do think the turnpike has taken some good first steps on that. Um, and by the way, and I do want to say as a result, and this may seem like peanuts, but every dime matters. Uh, the commission, as a result of our previous audit, has recovered $10,125 um, as a result of employees that have abused um, their, their free privileges. Another past audit finding involved toll-free travel provided to contractors, consultants, and state officials. That free travel totaled more than $5.2 million, $5 million over a three-year period, ending in May of 2018. I urge the commission to keep monitoring that for when it is for legitimate state purposes versus official business for the turnpike. Again, as state agencies, we pay out of our budget for turnpike usage. I believe that same policy should exist across the board. Another area where I believe the Commission could save money is the 191 cars that staff use for travel. Again, I know some of these are for safety reasons and first responders. I want to make sure that I am clear on this. Those cars are absolutely essential and I don't want any effort to crack down on that. But when it comes to the actual commissioners and some of the some of the upper management, um, I believe they should follow our record. You know, when I came into office, we had 242 vehicles. Um, we've all practically eliminated that now. I think the turnpike could save a lot of money by going that direction, again, for upper management staff and certainly the commissioners. And if you are going to have cars, I just implore them to not have the higher cost vehicles, but try to shift more to the mileage reimbursement that I think is more in line with proper business practices. And I think what is shown with um, my department where we saved about $877,000 annually, I think there's a lot of savings that could be done in that area as well. But again, I'm talking about the upper management at the turnpike as well as the commissioners and and whether they're they're going to do it now or in the future if you're going to have a vehicle make sure that it is an economical car again i stress i want it to be a mileage reimbursement but if you're going to do it have it be an economical car and not be a high-end vehicle um to recap the pennsylvania turnpike remains a critical part of our transportation infrastructure it has made significant investments in becoming a modern highway that will help grow our economy if this debt and the tolls come under control. And it is time for action in Harrisburg. Now, I do want to turn it over to Turnpike CEO Mark Compton. I want, you know, I know he's going to make a few brief remarks. Again, I commend him and his team for their professionalism. They, I think, understand as well as anybody the challenges they're facing. I know the commissioners are coming to grips with this as well, and our job is to try to inform the legislature and the administration how dire this is so that we can move forward. So Mark's going to say a few words, then uh, we'll be available for any and all questions. And I caught that one on the fly. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, General, to you, 
Thank you for allowing us to partic participate today. On behalf of our chair, uh, Leslie Richards, our commissioners, uh, we thank you and your staff for the thorough review uh, that you gave the Turnpike in this, in this audit. If you've never been through one of these audits before, I assure you it's not an annual checkup. It is a very in-depth uh, review of the organization's finances, our policies and procedures, and we appreciate the view, but more importantly, we also appreciate the way you and your staff approach that review. And what we will do with this audit, which we've done in the ones in the past, and which we've done anytime we've asked for an audit, is to take a look at all these findings and make sure that we put a management plan around each one. Uh, we will uh, put a project manager with it, and I will be meeting with them regularly to make sure that we make and implement uh, those findings. So we thank you for these, and we will make sure that we take all of these to heart and we'll heed your warning. Uh, I'm, I'm here today on behalf of our, our 2,000 employees uh, because anytime this issue comes up, and I'm pointing to the side here, I, I pledged back to them and also our customers who are, as the, the general pointed out, paying the way on this or paying the freight. Uh, I'll come out and also uh, stand aligned to, to make sure that we get change as quickly as we can. Uh, in round numbers, our, our volume or our revenues right now are about 1.2 billion. Our debt service on that number is over $600 million. Half of the money we receive from our customers goes to pay the debt service. So think about that for a second and think about the way in which you run your own household. As we talk about in the maintenance sheds at the toll plazas within the building, uh, we know that's no way that we'd run our household, yet we are forced to follow the law. And the law states under Act 44, we are required to, to bond and give that money to PennDOT in which takes it back out to, to mass transit by formula. We stand here today with the general because th this can't be changed by us alone. So we need help. And uh, we are asking for the folks in this building uh, to pay attention. We were encouraged by the press conference yesterday uh, that laid out the four transportation chairs who certainly uh, identified the issue. We also want to thank uh, Senator Kim Ward, our transportation chair, uh, for stepping up to, to start to put a plan forward. So we look forward to those findings. We look forward to working with them to hopefully get the turnpike out from under uh, what you see here today. So thank you, sir. And one other last thing. Um, Act, in 2016, Act 165, um, when the, the leakage issue, I think but for you and your leadership, I'm not sure we would have that law today. Uh, so we are making the best use of, of that that we can by it's the spilt milk theory. So basically what, what that means is those who don't, don't pay don't, but those who do pay for the ones who don't. You know, so with this, you've allowed us and helped us to really get those who should be paying also pay, paying. So that's a big part of, of what we're doing today. So we thank you. And I knew those bills were going out because some people that saw that I was fighting for it actually when they found my email address were texting me their bill, although some of them weren't happy about it. But I'm like, well, if you would have just paid in the first place, it wouldn't happen. Yes. As bad as this all is, as the chief watchdog, financial watchdog in the state, if the state loses this lawsuit, does the turnpike immediately declare bankruptcy? Can it do that as a quasi-governmental agency declare bankruptcy like a business would and seek protections? And Mark's going to cover some of the specific points. I do want to say on the, when it comes to the lawsuit, if the turnpike loses it, there's two ways to lose it. One is a prospective going forward. The other is if they're forced to pay back the money. I, I will say that if they're forced to pay back the money, that is a just from a financial situation, much more cataclysmic. Not that either one is good for the turnpike, but I just stress that there's two different ways to lose it. In that latter one, 
Yeah. I mean, the immediate impact is what? Immediately defaulting on loans? What's the uh, I'm going to let Mark will talk about the specifics there. So not able to suffice on what the court or how, how it's going to roll. And candidly, if there is an opportunity or a request or requirement that we would have to go back and pay back, uh, that's when the secretary used the word catastrophic, and that's the best way to describe it. Just to make some clarity about the lawsuit and the payments that we are required to make to PennDOT on behalf of that lawsuit. So the fiscal year started for the state here uh, May 31st. We missed the first payment, or we did not make the first payment for that lawsuit, in, in, which is the summer payment. So I just want to talk through that a little bit if I could. Lawsuits, the lawsuit started back in March of 2018. We had money in reserves because what we did was we bonded for the entire fiscal year previous to the lawsuit. We had one payment sitting in escrow. So we made that payment because we, we had to. We were required to. That's where we said we'd use the money. That's where we were to use the money. So at that point, the new fiscal year turns over. We're to go back to the bond market uh, to, to, to uh, sell the bonds in order to make this payment. It's at that point. Uh, working with our bond council, and you, you know the folks that are on this suit. So you have the, the governor's office involved, governors, in, governors named in the suit, secretaries named, commissioners myself. So you take, take those council, and with the uh, guidance of bond council, we're unable to get what's called an all-clear letter. All-clear letter basically states that the money you say you're going to bond, you can spend in the manner in which you say you will bond. We weren't able to do that based on the lawsuit. So those three payments were not made because we were not able to go to the bond market for those payments. So I know there was a lot of misinformation about that. I just wanted to clear that piece up as well. But generally, your position, having just done an exhaustive audit of the finances, what happens if the ruling is you have to pay back tolls? What happens to the turnpike? I have no idea how they'll make those payments. I mean, that, the, the simplest way I can say it is, I, I mean, the tooth fairy. Yeah, I, I believe that when I uh, when I use that term, it's more as a as a matter of phrasing. I don't believe they would be allowed to, minus some change in federal law. I believe uh, I know municipalities can declare bankruptcy. States and state agencies and state related public agencies, um, I think, are actually barred by federal law. So minus some change there. Um, Look, you probably would just be forced by some federal judge to dramatically raise the tolls. Because the yeah. if, yeah. if they're not allowed to declare bankruptcy, then you've got to keep making the debt service payments. And the only way to do that, well, you'd probably do two things. Number one is you would eliminate all upgrades to the turnpike. All the projects would literally be ceased. Tolls would go up. So now you'd be paying higher tolls for an even worse road. So dramatic toll increases could be the result. Yeah. With, but with less projects. Or no projects. So in theory, I mean, if the federal judge puts a stop to the payments, that's good for the turnpike. Or he orders the state to pay the turnpike back, right? Yeah, well, I would say, well, as a commonwealth, I believe moving forward there should be a legislative fix. I don't think we should have – I, I get, if the judge makes a decision, we're obviously going to respect the decision. Let's assume that for a second. But, that, that, but moving forward – it does become a game changer for the turnpike finances. However, and maybe it is necessary to force the legislature to act, but I'd rather see the legislature not wait for that to come up with a fix because if those payments are, are, are stopped, that will help the turnpike finances moving forward, but then the, 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 the public transportation fix is still not established in law. And I'm 
I'm sorry. Can you clarify for me the 450 million that that the turnpike transfers every year? That all goes to transit or yeah, yeah, all of it does now. Yes, yeah, by formula. Yes. Since 13, yeah, it changed from 2007, which was half highway, half transit. Yeah. Uh, and then the 2013 law changed that. That's correct. So it's 22, and then, but it made it all for mass transit right. and multimodal, which is the similar and, form. And is it that law that also changed it from 450 a year to 50 a year? It, it started the decline. I think there's a. I think it's a. 23. It goes to 50. Yeah, by by 2023 it goes to 50. How yeah. much is it this year? Four fifty. Due to the lawsuit. Do you uh, blame the bad, what you would do you blame the legislation for the turnpike's debt problem entirely, or has there been any mismanagement along the way? Well, just like any entity, there's always something that could be done better. I mean, we, we were pretty critical of, of the scoff laws not having to pay their turnpike, but again, the commission worked with us. We worked with a bipartisan coalition, the legislature, that was fixed. But and that was several million dollars, and that's obviously important. And we talked about the cars a little bit again. I think it could save a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's important. But this broader issue is more than just buying paper the right way. And and I want to stress that I do think they're making progress. Just like any entity, they could do better. We've outlined some of those areas they can do better. But minus a broader legislative fix. And look, I, I do want to stress that I think a lot of this started. There was a bipartisan, you know, agreement on 80 in in the late 2009, 2010 timeframe that the Obama administration at least had given at least some public statement to the Rendell administration that it was going to be allowed. And then for whatever the state screwed up in the application process, they then didn't allow it. And I think it was, I think the, I think the feds would have allowed the tolling if all the money had gone just to go to 80. But the state application also included diverting some of that money for public transit. I think that's why the application or the, uh, the, the approval was denied by the feds. Is that an option to put back on the table to make 80 a toll road? And how much revenue would you expect? Uh, you know, there are, like, I probably have a better chance of predicting all NCA tournament games and what's in the mind of Donald Trump. Um, and doesn't Buffett have something that you win a million dollars if you get them all right or something like that? But I my, look, all kidding aside, um, although the stuff about reading Trump's mind is not kidding, um, I don't see any realistic path for the Trump administration to approve tolling I-80. I just don't, I, I don't see that as viable. We can have a policy debate about whether that is the right or wrong path, but I just don't see that as viable. Um, it looks like you had actually voted for Act 44 yeah. when you were in the House. Can you discuss why you voted for it then and what seems to have changed your opinion? Well, it wasn't that my opinion changed. I thought the feds were going to approve I-80 tolling, and I also thought that that money was going to stay on Interstate 80. When the application was money was going to then some of it be diverted to other projects off of I-80, um, and the feds rejected it. So my opinion wasn't so much of whether I would have changed how I would have voted then. That's not the case. It's just you have to re recognize reality. Once the feds rejected it, it wasn't a viable path. Then meant we had to look at other options. And instead, things continue to change or stay the same. That That's where my criticism is. The actual passing of that original legislation, again, was bipartisan. 
again, I know there's people that could argue both sides of it, but what changed the dynamics was the state application, instead of keeping all the money on 80, diverting some of that money, and the second part of it was the Fed's rejection. And, and I think it's also important to note that that recommendation on tolling I-80 was done because many of us in the legislature pushed back on, at that time, the Rendell administration's position of trying to privatize the turnpike to a Spanish company. Because the, you know, the, financial, the financial issues with the turnpike are not new. And someone like myself, I was not willing to outsource our critical infrastructure to a Spanish company or any foreign company. I don't want to just pick on Spain. I was against, and so, the, but we did tell the Turnpike, come back with a plan B, and that was, in a sense, the plan B. Um, you talked about $11.8 billion in debt and, and rising if nothing changes. Can you say how much of that is attributable to the payments that the Turnpike has made to PennDOT? Yeah, it's, a, it's about half of that. About half of the $600 million in debt service that Turnpike pays every year is attributable to what it's sent to PennDOT? Yes. That's correct. Well, if you want to give a rough, a rough number, yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, and when you talk about uh, $1.2 billion in Turnpike revenues, what's your total costs? Um, so the, the operating, operating budget, which is not bonded, uh, is roughly $420 million this year. Uh, and, and that, and yes, we can always be efficient, but what we finished with last year on the operating budget was less than what we did the year before. You know, so yes, we have gains we can make. I shouldn't be here if I can't tell you we should be more efficient. You know, but as we're trying to keep our house in order, I think that was a pretty key indicator that we're doing what we can. So your operating budget is about 420 million. Yeah. Your debt service is about 600 million. That's correct. And then what else is on top of that? Well, that's, then the rest of it goes for coverage ratios, which is a requirement whenever you bond at the level that we have to make sure that you have that in reserve. So that's where that money goes. So what's your total? I mean, so you're like, how much are you spending every year? So about $420 million for operating. Then you add the um, debt service of about 600, roughly $650 million. That gets you to a billion. So that's that's about the billion of the one, two. Mm -hmm. And then the rest goes for the coverage ratios. Yes. If, um, let's just say the Commonwealth wins the lawsuit and um, the $450 million or eventually $50 million goes away, will tolls continue to need to rise? So basically what we, what we're, what we did is it's, it's all 30-year money. So it's a, it's a billion-dollar mortgage every year that will be payable over the next 30 years. So there'll be some refinancing and some things that, that we can do as part of that. But make no mistake about it, at the number that we're at, at the $11 billion, that all has to be paid back. And this year's money will be paid, paid back over the next 30 years. So we still haven't paid back the, all the money that was spent in 2007, if you think about it that way. If you lose and you're ordered to pay tolls back, can you <clears throat> venture a guess at how much tolls might have to go up by the double? You, you know, it, it, now we're guessing in the minds of the of the court too. So I, I would hate to I'd hate to wager a guess. Yeah, I think in in I mean I, I don't want to speak for Mark, but let's wait and see how the case holds out, and then obviously, depending on what happens, then they'll have to make decisions in a couple different ways. Legislature to get involved in tolls. What ideally do you would either of you want to see done to help in this situation? I would say end the payments 
from the turnpike to PennDOT, end them, and come up with a different revenue source for public transportation. Those two things. And then obviously then it's up to Turnpike to work on their refinancing tools, sure. et cetera, to better be able to manage the year-to-year -year payments. Between the existing debt and mass transit needs, is there any way to come up with that funding stream other than a massive tax increase? Look, obviously the legislature would have a lot of options. I mean, I'm the one that came out and said let's um, regulate and tax marijuana. I, you know, I, I, everyone poo-pooed that three years ago. Uh, who wouldn't like having that $600 million a year right now without hurting one single Pennsylvanian? Because, that, you know, that, that's, that, that's a, that would be a way to pay for it. There may be other ways up to the legislature to come up with that, but um, there's $600 million sitting on the table by regulating and taxing marijuana. And also, that doesn't even count the savings by stopping the foolish idea of throwing people in prison for that anymore. Eugene, did I hear you say that PennDOT is delaying some projects because it's not getting the, the turnpike payments? I believe that's correct. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to speak for PennDOT. Well, uh, I, I, um, let's put it like this. My team is looking at me with very sharp eyes right now because I'm auditing PennDOT and getting close to wrapping that up. So I will probably have more to say on that shortly, as in not this afternoon. So, But clearly, look. Just do the math. I don't mean it to be flipped. Do the math. If the Turnpike Commission is delaying money they're sending to PennDOT, that's going to have an economic impact to PennDOT, and whether it be roads and bridges or public transit, there's going to be an impact. And is this squeezing the ability of the Turnpike to make improvements to its to its own roads oh or the, the size of the debt service? Absolutely it is. Um, because we have to follow the law and we have to bond that $400 million every year, only place we can take it from is our capital plan. And it's a 78-year-old roadway, if you think about it today. So the original footprint of that is 160 miles, much of which needs to be fully reconstructed. So what's the effect of that? I mean, are our drivers then you know, driving on worse roads than otherwise? There's no safety impact to that as, as we see it today. But what this requires us to do, because when you don't change out the roadbed uh, whenever it's required, uh, what you do is you mill and pave and do overlays. So a lot of times what we do is because that is a, a maintenance requirement, we're going back into those same areas, irritating those same customers, and having to repave that on a three-year cycle when it should really be 10 or 15, depending on uh, what, the, what the quality of the roadbed is about. So you're seeing a lot, a lot more of that on the system. Uh, this time of year when you go from 50 degrees to 20 degrees to, to 50, uh, you see uh, what we call the road pops, which is the, the potholes. So when you have the older roadbed, you get, you get potholes. That again, slows down traffic, diverts traffic because of ways and those sort of things, takes revenue off of the system. So you, you see an older system. By the way, just, uh, and I'm sure Mark will not want to comment on this, he may even want to hide under the podium, but the quick budget number is $450 million a year from the Turnpike to PennDOT. Regulating and taxing marijuana the exact same way Colorado does. We're two and a half times their size, roughly $600 million, which means you can replace the entire public transit number and add $150 million into your basic education funding formula without any other type of tax increase. I've worked that out just in my own head standing by this, uh, this sign here, which is fantastic.
meaning in points all the so for people that want a visual this is it but i worked that out in literally 30 seconds in my own head so if the legislature would do what colorado did pass that 450 million replace there's your public transit fix 150 million put into early education say k to three helps shrink class sizes there and we haven't increased taxes on any single pennsylvania and we've also saved money from our criminal justice system too so probably we're you know so you end up saving probably another I'd say 50 to 68 million dollars there. So in the last three minutes, I've come up with about um, uh, about 180 million dollars for public education and public transit without raising one tax and saving the Turnpike Commission. Next question. In between this job and helping coach the West York High School baseball team, the Dallas Town High School football team, and the Shiloh American Legion, if you're willing to uh, send some weekends, maybe, because the weeks are a little, the weeks get a little tougher now. So, and I got some Spartan races coming up too. So, so we'll have to do it on a weekend where I don't have a Spartan race. And I'm not good at mowing the lawn. I mean, I just, you know, the the weed stuff. I'm just not good at that stuff. Any other questions? If not, everyone, thank you for your time. Have a great rest of the day. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.